Hey everybody, welcome. I am so glad you're tuning in today. We're going to have a wonderful lesson about goodness. So let me see you all join in. Oh boy, I love to see the names come up and I love for you to comment after every lesson. I go back and read your comments and uh, it just warms my heart. And I love how you comment to each other and that is a way to keep community going. So whether you are watching this with the large group at 10 o'clock on Wednesday morning, or you are watching it by yourself later in the day or in the week, please give a comment and, and respond to what others have said. Uh, that is a wonderful way to keep us all united and keep us together and to feel as if we are a part of a big group. So I hope you will do that. Well, I hope you'll indulge me for just a few minutes so that I can give you some jokes. These are corny fruit jokes, but you know, we're talking about fruit, fruit of the spirit. And so indulge me, please. When is an apple a grouch? When it's a crab apple. <laughs> I'm waiting for the bumps behind me, but they're not there. What did the apple skin say to the apple? I've got you covered. <laughs> Silly, I know. What key do you use to open a banana? A monkey. <laughs> Those are silly, but listen, we need to get off to a good start and being funny and silly is a good thing and that's our focus today, good and goodness. Now, let's review our list of fruit of the spirit so that we can keep those fresh in our mind. And they are, say it with me. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, how many got 100 on that? Tell us, did you do it without looking? Those are the fruit we need to remember so that we will know to spill them in our lives. And in order to spill them, we have to have them, don't we? We have to have this fruit. Well, goodness is the fifth fruit of the Spirit. Now, the Greek word for that is agathosune, agathosune. And, you know, I in each lesson, I try to go back and give us words in the Hebrew or the Greek, the original language, because that tells us what the author really meant. And so in this case, the word goodness translates this, uprightness of heart and life, upright. Now that word right means righteous, righteousness, right living. And here's the other word that it means, beneficence, beneficence. So Paul was describing this trait as doing something for others out of a righteous heart, out of our benevolence for others. Or how about this, good heartedness, good heartedness. We understand that word, I believe. And uh, here there is a line in a Christmas song that I think says it very well. So be good for goodness sakes. Be good for goodness sakes. Do you recall that? Yes, Jingle Bells. Who knew it had a spiritual meaning? I hope that changes the way you look at Jingle Bells. Be good for goodness sakes. Well, I thought it would be a good time since we're in the middle of this study on the fruit of the Spirit for us to look why it's really important to live a fruitful life. And so we are having a hard time sometimes being fruitful. But what we know is that it's not in our nature, it's not natural for us to do all of these, live, spill all of this fruit all the time. It's supernatural. And so those things don't come naturally to us, but it comes from supernatural guidance of the Holy Spirit. Now, I think we should go back and review once again, why this is so important in our life. And to do that, we're going to see what Jesus said about good fruit. And so we are going to read out of Matthew 7, verses 15 to 20, the tree and its fruit. And here's what it says. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. 
can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Ooh, that's something for us to think about. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. Now that's what Jesus said. So here's his metaphor. It's you will be known by the fruit that you bear. That's how you'll be known. He tells us we're known by our fruit. He said, just as you can identify a tree by the fruit it bears, you can identify a follower of Christ by the fruit that we spill. We are known. How are we known? <laughs> it's by the fruit we spill. That's why we need to know the traits of these nine fruit described in the book of Galatians because we need to spill them on that righteous road we're trying to go down. We're trying to stay in the right lane of this righteous road that leads us right to Jesus, right to Christ, right toward our heavenly Father. Well, how do we get this fruit? Once again, Paul tells us the kind of fruit he's talking about is extraordinary because it comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit resides in us once we give our hearts and lives to, to Christ. And the Holy Spirit is what empowers us to live extraordinary lives. Well, we've seen in this study that the fruit was modeled by Jesus in his ministry on earth. Jesus learned it from his Father. And then he, when he went to heaven, he passed it on to us through the Holy Spirit when he died. So I hope you follow the genealogy of spiritual fruit from God the Father to his son Jesus through the Holy Spirit, we have it. Well, today let's focus on goodness and we want to get to the original source of goodness. Now, let me begin this by saying that goodness is a foundational attribute of God. If we do not believe in the goodness of God, then it affects everything we think about. It affects all of our faith. It affects how we treat others. Because if we believe that God is good and can only be good, then we can trust him with our decisions and with our lives. So it is a foundational belief in Christianity to believe that God is good. Well, how do we know his, he is good? Well, he is inherently good. Psalm 34, 8 tells us, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what it tells us. And blessed is the one who takes refuge in him because he's so good. He is the foundation of goodness of everything that is good in our life. It comes from him. He did not obtain it from another source. He is goodness. He can be nothing but good. Now, people can have good traits and do good deeds, but goodness is not our natural character. It comes from God. Well, let's look at uh, other aspects of the goodness of God. It's evident in all creation and everything that he made. Genesis 1, 31 says, God saw all that he had made, and guess what he said? It is very good. That's the last thing he said about his creation. He had all along, he had said, it is good, it is good. And then he completed it, and he said, it is very good. Well, that means that we are very good because we are a part of his creation. And we read in Psalm 145, 9, that the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. So he has instilled goodness in us. He sees that we are a part of his good, good creation. Well, he is the source of everything good as we read in James 1 verse 17. Every good thing bestowed and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from one of my favorite images, the Father of Lights. Coming down from the Father of Lights. Just think of, of the goodness that comes down from the Father of the Lights with whom there is no variation and there is no shifting shadow. He's the same. That means he's good and he can be nothing but good. 
Well, Jesus recognized the goodness of God. He said, in fact, when, when people on earth in his ministry were calling him really good, he halted them. He stopped. And we read in Luke 18, verse 19, he says, why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is truly good. See, Jesus was so humble. He was quick to say that God is the truly good one. Even Jesus says the goodness comes from God. So let's hold on to that foundational belief. If you are struggling at all with uh, why bad things happen and you begin to go down the road of blaming God and thinking that God uh, is doing some, some dirty deeds and evil things, rethink because there is nothing in scripture to support that. Scripture says that he is a good God. He is a sovereign God and he allows things to happen because he gives us free will. But God is knitting all of that together to come together for good to those of us who love him. That is his promise. So this is the foundational belief that we need to focus on right now. Now we're going to move into another segment of the lesson as I show how Jesus demonstrated goodness. What did Jesus think about it? How did he show what goodness is? What is the example that he used? Because it was up to Jesus as the one who was walking on earth to teach us these lessons that his heavenly father wanted us to know. So what we learn is about goodness is from the Samaritan. We call him the good Samaritan. Well, early in Jesus' ministry, Jesus taught of love, and mercy and goodness in this one parable, which is a story that has this spiritual meaning. And this parable focuses on this essential question that Jesus asked is, who is my neighbor? So he is going to connect goodness with being a good neighbor. So he tells this story of a man who was robbed, he was beaten, and he was stripped, and he was left for dead on the side of a road. And then here comes a priest, now that would be a Jewish priest, and a Levite who is the one who knows all the laws, and he's the rule follower, and each in turn, they saw this man on the side of the road, and here's how they responded. They crossed the street. They moved to the opposite side of the road, and they continued on their way. And then here comes a Samaritan. He is a despised man, a despised Samaritan. See, he, he didn't fit in with the Jews. He was part Jew, but he wasn't all in with the Jews. And so he was the enemy of Jews. They hated each other. And so here's this Samaritan who comes by. He happens upon the man and there is a very different response. And this gets to the heart of the parable. This is the message Jesus wants to send. We're reading in Luke 10 verses 33 to 35. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt, oh, go ahead and circle that description, compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, take care of this man and listen to what he added. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time. I'm here. Wow. Let's see what things we can learn from this good Samaritan. In our world today, we need some goodness, don't we? We need goodness. Can I get an amen from that? We need to focus on goodness. And so we want to learn from the good Samaritan how to be good and what are the traits because this was important enough for Jesus to teach it, wasn't it? So let's look at, and I've given you a whole lot, I think maybe nine uh, description. So let's go with number one, the Samaritan felt compassion. Well, when we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, he will give us compassion. We can't always do it ourselves. It's hard sometimes. It's hard to be merciful. 
It's hard to show love and compassion to people because, to be honest, many of us would have gone by this person in need and we would have said, well, he shouldn't have been, and we would fill in the blank, driving on the wrong side of the road. He shouldn't have been drinking. He shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been, and we would have kept going. Does that speak to anybody, anybody else but me? Because it requires us to have a supernatural compassion. This is what the man said. So here is our test. Do we have compassion for others? Are we willing to listen to that coworker or family member or friend who just needs to bend our ear a little bit, needs us to show compassion? Are we willing to, to spend a little extra time with a child who just needs some extra attention? And maybe this child has behavior problems or whatever, but maybe that's what the child needs, compassion and mercy. Are we willing to donate to the underprivileged to have issues and problems? And maybe we wanna sit in judgment about how they came to be, but are we willing to donate to organizations who will help them? How about this one? Are we willing to show compassion and do this? Be slow to speak and quick to listen to those who have a different opinion or those who are different just because we want to show some compassion to them? Well, I'll, those are our, our compassion test. Where are we on that scale? You know, y'all who have heard me many times know that I, I use continuums a lot on a scale of, of one to 10, where are you on compassion? You know, uh, in our studies of spiritual gifts, these are the gifts the Holy Spirit gives us and we're each given at least one. And we uh, do tests of 23 of them to see where we fall. And mercy is on one of those. You know, mercy's down in the bottom of my list. It's hard. It's hard for me, but I'm still compelled to do to show mercy to people. So it's harder for some of us than others. And here's what we want to be careful of, not judging people when gifts are hard. Because things that are I'm gifted with, you may find hard. And so we never want to judge each other. But we are all responsible, according to this, to show compassion. Well, number two, the Good Samaritan was willing to get involved. Look at what he did. The, the Samaritan treated and bandaged the wounds. He set that injured man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn and cared for him through much of the night. You know, he was in, he was in wasn't he? He was in deep. The Samaritan could have said to himself, you know, I give regularly. I, I make donations to the church. Oh, I have given to the Samaritan Center. I've done that. I've given to all the local charities. I give to all the mission things at the church. I've done my part. But he didn't say that. As the scripture said, he had compassion and he acted on it. He not only saw, but he acted on it. He did something about what he saw. He obeyed a whisper. Oh, does that get to anybody? <laughs> you know, when we hear that little voice, it says, you need to. You need to do this, step in, get in. Do, are we, do we become willing participants when we learn or see or hear of others' needs? Because when we do that, we are showing goodness. All right, the Good Samaritan gave his time. He interrupted his journey and took care of the man at the inn overnight. Surely he had obligations. He was on his way somewhere. You know, there were perhaps people waiting for him, yet he tended to the man overnight, perhaps to make sure that the man was stable before he continued his journey. You know, not only that, he promised to return and settle up the account with the innkeeper on his way back through or the next time he was there. Time. It is a commodity we hold as so precious. We often forget to expend it, don't we? Number four, the Good Samaritan ignored racism. Well, to the Jews, a Samaritan was more revolting than a Gentile. A Gentile was a pagan. A Gentile was a non-Jew. See, a Samaritan was half Jew. And even though he was considered a despised Samaritan, he rose above such shallowness to care for a fellow human being. You know, he avoided the race. Racism is quite prevalent today, isn't it? 
Pastor Nathan has encouraged us to read uh, this book. It's called The Lead Anti-Race Racism Challenge. Uh, so I'm doing this study for the 40 days of Lent, uh, and it's composed of this writings by this diverse group of writers, and they share their stories in uh, four sections. It, one is called Listen, the next is Embrace, the next is called Advocate, and the fourth one is called Dream. And what the author asks us to do is to, to bridge the canyons of diversity with love. Are we doing that today? See, that is what the Good Samaritan did, isn't it? Well, number five, the Good Samaritan evidently had a good name. Let's see how we know that. You know, we wonder if he had been to the inn before and he knew right where to take him. Maybe he had paid for somebody else's needs at that inn, but here's what we know. The innkeeper trusted the Samaritan to come back and, and pay for the remainder of the bill. So the innkeeper knew that he had proven trustworthy. Are we doing that? Are we proving ourselves trustworthy by our good name? What does our name mean to others? You know, we grew up in our home with our father preaching that. He says, remember your name. That's what he taught us. Remember who you are. He said it over and over. And he wanted us to go out into the world and have a good name. It's so important, isn't it? Well, number six, this good Samaritan used what he had. He used his oil, his wine, and his donkey. He just had those. That was just there, you know? The part of the story is not this. He ran around frantically collecting things. He didn't do that. There was an emergency and he used what he had. He used his practical resources. What an encouraging message to us. Just use what we have. What do we have around the house that we can share with others? What do we have as we're on our way somewhere or we're in the, the store or, or, or in the church or in a group or whatever? We just, we have things that we can use to minister to others. Number seven, the Good Samaritan was generous. Did you see that in the story? He poured oil and wine. Oh my goodness, valuable commodities on that victim's wounds. Oh my goodness. Now I just wonder if his wife had been there. <laughs> oh me, I'm trying not to be sexist, but I, you know, the majority of my audience uh, would be women and so, uh, does that speak to anybody? Would anybody say, oh, no, 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 we're supposed to have that tonight. <laughs> Go slowly. Would that have happened? You know, this was an unexpected use of very costly supplies. On top of that, the Samaritan gave the innkeeper two denarii. Do you know that that is two days' wages? That's what he gave to use for the care of the man. And he told the, uh, the innkeeper, I'll be back and I'll pay for whatever is left. He didn't know how long the injured man was going to be there. But I'm guessing because the text says they left him half dead, that he might be there a while. This man was generous. Number eight, the good Samaritan was willing to get messy. Sometimes extravagant giving means doing something messier and harder than making a financial donation. Does anybody agree with that? I need to hear from you. Are you all out there? Yeah, I need to hear from you. The kind-hearted Samaritan hoisted this bloody, beaten-up man on his own animal, not worrying about the filth, not worrying about the blood that he was going to have to clean up later. Just imagine that for a moment. Grace in action is often messier than we might be willing to become. Yeah. Oh, thank you for those responses. You know, it helps me to know that you're there. <laughs> thank you so much. Number nine, the good Samaritan followed through. See, he left the man in capable hands, didn't he? This was the turnover. He turned him over 
into capable hands. He did what he could, and then he turned the matter over to others. And at the same time, he promised to stay engaged in the process. Follow through is so important when we're helping others, isn't it? Now, those are some nine things that we get out of this one story about goodness and what it takes. Wow, is anybody re-examining what it means to be really good to others? Because sometimes it's hard, isn't it? What we learn is that spilling fruit is not easy. It's not supposed to be easy. If it were easy, we'd see it everywhere, wouldn't we? Does that resonate with anybody? It, it, would, it would not be something that we see everywhere. But it's not easy. It's hard. Well, in our divided society, we need some good Samaritans. Good Samaritans. Are we looking? Are we looking to help? Are we looking for somebody who needs a neighbor? Are we too busy to be bothered? Do we have more important things to do? You know, we can be willing to get involved. We can do these things. We can avoid racism. We can live up to our good name and we can be generous, but we need to rely on God's Holy Spirit to help us to do this. Jesus concludes this parable this way. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Just that question makes us think. We know the answer is the Samaritan who, who, who got involved and got dirty. What does that say about the other two? What is God saying about that? Because I know I have been one of those who would walk to the other side. I know many times um, I can look back and see times when I ignored a need. I was one who crossed to the other side, and I'm held accountable for that. I hope this point forward, I am more tuned in to the Holy Spirit and that I won't walk to the other side. The expert in the law replied, here's the answer, the one who had mercy on him. That's the one that was good, the one who showed mercy. Jesus told him. All right, here's what the lesson is. Go and do likewise. Go and do it. See, he says it takes being merciful and having compassion. Some versions say loving pity. So some say mercy. Some say having loving pity. Wow. The message says kindly. Now, in that, we're, we're seeing, hearing lots of different words. And so what some of you are saying, well, those are different fruits. This is the lesson on goodness. This isn't the lesson on kindness and love. And so let's not get too confused with the semantics because let's just remember that all of these are just examples of what the Holy Spirit will empower us to do, and they're intertwined. So it's hard to say, oh, that's only a story of goodness. You know, we don't want to get that mixed up with other stories. I could have taught this story with, with many of the fruit. Do you all get that? They get intertwined. But all the fruit comes from the same source, the same tree, the Holy Spirit. All good acts are related to the same fruit. They all are connected, that one fruit of the Holy Spirit. So to be a good neighbor, we are to let the Holy Spirit produce love and kindness and goodness so that we can spill it on others. So he tells us to show mercy to others, and that's what goodness is. So then he gives this command, go and do it. You know, he didn't make a suggestion. Hey, y'all, why don't you just think about doing some good things? Can you imagine? No, he didn't say that. He said, go and show it. He said, do it. Wow, we need to pay attention to his words. Well, here's our question then. How are you going to spill goodness to others this week? How will you let goodness flow through you this week? Well, in thinking about showing goodness, let's reflect on how goodness has been shown to you. Wow, so I, I came up with some things to think about so that we are reflecting on how we see it, how we experience it. Number one, who has God used to show goodness to you in your life? Who has been good? You know, I can name so many people. So many of you out there have been so good to me 
uh, you, um, you, you show your love and your goodness and your kindness to me constantly, whether you are sending me a card, a note, an email. Uh, back in the day, I would get, get hugs. <laughs> Maybe one day again. Um, you know, I experience it. I've experienced from so many people in my life, and, and I notice it especially in times that have been really hard for me. I see the goodness of people. And so for those people who've been good, then if you're led, maybe write them a note. Write them a thank you note. Um, Susan has shared, Susan Higgins, our um, membership chair, has shared with me something that she did who, that was really a good deed, a kind deed to someone. And she may be too embarrassed to share that with everyone because she doesn't want to be bragging. But Susan, I'm asking you to share that with us uh, because you, of all people, uh, are one of the goodest <laughs> people we know. And you, um, it started when you were young. And so I ask you to share that with us. We want to pay forward what people have done to us and we want to thank them for their goodness. Now let's see uh, about what, what behaviors we can learn from the Good Samaritan that we can put into our own lives. So let's think about the characteristics of the Good Samaritan. Which is the most difficult for you to show? Is it compassion? Is it the willingness to get involved? Is it being generous with your time? Do you have racism issues? What good can uh, you do because you've established a good name, a good reputation? Have you taken an inventory of your resources, you know, when you're out and about? Do you have just what somebody might need? Uh, how generous can you be? Are you willing to get messy, to get your hands dirty? Do you, do you follow through with your good deeds when they're needed? These questions get us thinking about the Good Samaritan mindset. Now, next, I want us to look for opportunities to be good. We, remember what we're talking about with goodness. We've heard it comes from the Father. We've heard Jesus teach the importance of it. We've reflected on goodness we have received, and now we're going to be looking for opportunities to be good. Acts that take us out of ordinary goodness. We're going to be looking for opportunities to serve, maybe through Bible study groups like this wonderful WOW group or through church, churches, your church, our church. And so we want to be on the lookout. And then when we read about them, we want to act. We want to listen to the whisper that comes to us, that prompts us. So that means we need to be mindful and we need to be paying attention. And then in order to show goodness, we want to ask the Holy Spirit to mold our hearts so goodness will flow through us. Do you know one interesting thing here is we are called to become good, not just act good. Become good. When the Spirit of God comes into our life, we are born again. It's a spiritual rebirth, and it changes our very soul. So the way we treat people should reflect that. The Holy Spirit is constantly producing good fruit in us. Think of it that way. It's not just like, oh, on Thursday, I'll give, give her a dose of, of goodness. <laughs> Think about how silly that is. No, he's constantly producing this good fruit in us. That means there are constant opportunities. Constant opportunities. Wow. How, what, think about that. There were constantly being exposed to be good. Well, let's be inspired by the Good Samaritan to do good deeds today's, today. And here is an inspiring passage to remember. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Wow. Therefore, as we have opportunity, there it is, let us do good to all especially to those who are of the household of faith. That is fellow believers. That's in Galatians 6. So this reminds us to keep doing good. Don't get tired of it. He reminds us to really be good to the fellowship of believers. Now that Good Samaritan story, that was an example of being good to others and to strangers, people we don't even know. But this verse reminds us to be good to those in our own circle, in our own church, in our own Bible study, in our own small groups, in our own household of faith. 
and then we need to lift each other and to encourage each other to be good to each other. And in doing so, it causes us to continue our good work in the kingdom of God. It lifts us up. You know, there's the gift, the spiritual gift of exhortation is so important in ministry. And we want to do that with each other so that we don't become discouraged because that affects a ministry and causes people to leave ministry. And we all have ministry. I'm not talking about teachers and, and preachers only. I'm talking about all of us who have a ministry, a, re, a responsibility to do good to others. So let's continue to do good in, in what this wonderful WOW Bible study does, and that's to, to love and support and encourage each other and continue to show goodness. Because let me tell you what that becomes. It is a cycle of goodness. One person reaches out to do something good. That person reaches out to do something good to somebody else. I've heard it over and over. I've heard it so many times. This, that I heard people say, this group was so wonderful to me. I want to extend that goodness to others. And so that is the cycle of goodness. And that gets embedded into groups that are really following Christ and that are really tuned in. I think you all are liking that. It's so true, isn't it? The cycle of goodness is important to get into, into action, isn't it? And then let's take a look at your personal need to trust the goodness of God and to receive it. Did you ever get tired of spilling good fruit? Did you ever think, you know, I am knocking myself out with goodness? and I don't ever receive it. <laughs> Does anybody say it? Or, wow, I'm going through my own rough time. You know, I, I'm going through all this and I'm not sure God's showing up with his goodness to me. It's hard for me to see it right now. You know, I'm tired of this. I'm having my own crisis. Somebody be good to me. Oh, does that sound familiar to anybody? Well, our test of our belief in the goodness of God is how we view him in a crisis. That's how we, that's how, it, that's a test. When we're in our own crisis, do we trust in the goodness of God? Jesus told us we we're going to face trouble, but he promised to walk through us, through the fire with us. He will even carry us. And in the middle of that storm, we can still have joy and peace if we just anchor ourselves in this unchanging quality the goodness of God. We want to hold on to this unchanging character of God because he is good all the time. Say it with me. And all the time, he is good. That is a foundational belief, even in the middle of our bad times. Sometimes in the wait, in the middle of our rough, rough time, we begin to doubt. We begin to get discouraged. We don't see all the goodness. Well, that means our, our faith in him slipping a little bit, isn't it? And here's what happens. The battle of the mind begins. This battle over our minds and our hearts begins. We might have thoughts that try to move us out of the right lane of the righteous road. That's what happens. Our mind begins to get us to move off of that right lane. It moves us over into the left lane. You know, the left lane where all the chaos is. And what the Heavenly Father wants to do is to keep us in that right lane, going right toward Him, centered on Him and His goodness, where He's saying, hold on, be faithful, be, be faithful, because I am going to turn all things into good for you if you just believe in me and hold on, have faith and trust in me. He will always, always be good. While always, always others are trying to distract us. They're trying to get us off of that right lane. There will be those who tempt us and they will test us and they will cause us to doubt. And we begin to think that God is not good after all. We tell ourselves sometimes that we're not good enough. Uh, we tell ourselves sometimes that I deserve more and I need more goodness and I, and I uh, don't trust that there's going to be that goodness and we begin to swerve out of that lane. And before long, we begin to doubt the goodness of God and we veer into those left lanes of life. And this spiral of negative thinking is not from our good, good father. 
The belief in the goodness of God is the cornerstone and foundation for knowing and trusting him deeply. So we want to stop that negative spiral and, that, and we want to shift our thinking. God is a good one who will turn our circumstances, our negative situations into good. He will take those left lane thoughts and he will guide us into righteous thoughts if we listen and obey there is more. God fiercely pursues us. He chases us down with his goodness, regardless of our current situation. He chases us. He longs to fill us with his goodness and his joy. Now that's encouragement, isn't it? Especially if we're the ones in the need of a good Samaritan. Are you in the need of a good Samaritan? Are you going through this rough patch of any kind? You're feeling lonely, a prisoner in your own home, going through a health crisis, a financial crisis, a relational crisis. Whatever it is, he is chasing after you to give and show you goodness. Well, in order to make the goodness of God our lens to see in the middle of a hardship, we have to constantly renew our minds recalling the testimony of his goodness that has stayed constant throughout all of history and throughout all of our own history. We want to hold on to the past goodness and claim the promise of his future goodness. See, we all have a testimony of God's past goodness. He's been good to all of us, all of us in various ways. What is your testimony of God's goodness? Can you recall those times? See, there is power in remembering what God has done. <clears throat> the power is that it renews our mind. See, remembering brings us back and centers us on the goodness of God. You know, it reminds us that, oh yes, he is chasing me down. He is chasing after me. When we are faced with these hard times, I have some questions that we need to ask ourselves so that we can turn our gaze onto what God has been doing and is doing so we remember his goodness. So here are the three questions. Number one, can you see? Can you see the goodness of God in your life right now despite your situation Take a moment to find evidence of his goodness throughout your day, throughout your week. What is good right now, today, in this moment? And begin with the little things and list them. Remember God listed the good things for us in creation? Go back and think. He had a good list. Do you recall a good list? We want to have a good list. So when you're in a, in a bad spot, you see good. See, God's good list was like this. He saw light and said it was good. He saw air and water and earth and plants and animals, and he said it is good. That was his good list. And he said, of all creation, when it's finished, is very good. That's a good list. Can we do the same? Can we call out? We can begin with just those things. Oh, it's light today. It's beautiful. The sun is shining. That is good. It's going to be a good day. That's how we spend our time by thinking this is going to be a good day. Can you start every day by seeing his goodness? Okay, next, can you hear? If you can't really see the goodness of God right now, can you hear what he is saying to you about your situation? And to hear, then we want to go back and remember to hear the promises he has made in Scripture. <clears throat> so I've given some to you in your handout. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We tell ourselves that. We hear him telling that to us. Psalm 62 says, Let all that I... Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Hear that voice. John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll show you truth. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good 
and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That you can hear that. And Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and you're burdened, and I'm going to give you rest. You just take your yoke upon me and, and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble, and you're going to find rest in your souls. Can you begin to hear his promise? Number three, can you remember? If you are binded by your circumstances, and you can't, if you're blinded by your circumstances, and you can't see, for some reason and if you are struck deaf and you can't hear what he is saying you can always remember what he has done for you in the past so take a moment and reflect on all that God has done in the past days hours months weeks years whatever and celebrate his goodness in the past in the moments that you're struggling right now remember his goodness and then the last one is, can you say? Can you say out loud, God is good? Did you know that what we say and what we do will cause us to feel? Some people have it backwards. Some say they, if they don't feel it, then they can't see it or, or do it or hear it. That's so backwards. What, when we say God is good and we do what is good, we begin to feel good. Did anybody need to hear that today? See, we need to say it, do it, and we will feel it. We don't follow our feelings because they will betray us. We act out in order to feel. We act into feelings so we've seen god's goodness we've heard him talk of his goodness we're remembering his goodness and now we're going to say it out loud we're going to say out loud that he is good so right now i want you to say with me those lyrics to that beautiful praise song that we often sing god is so good god is so good God is so good. He's so good to me. Say that with me again. Keep that in your, in your mind. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. You can accent different words. Every time you say it, the message is the same. God promises to pursue us with that goodness. He chases us with it. How do I know that? Because that's not a slogan. That is a foundational truth. His word tells me this in Psalm 31, 19. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. Look at this next one. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. See, he wants to lavish us with his goodness. He wants to bless us while the world is watching. Wow, what a call to be faithful for him, to him. Because he lavishes us and he pursues us. How do I know? Again, it's in Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. That is the truth. That is the foundation in the Bible. He wants to pursue us with his love. He's chasing after us. Isn't that a beautiful image? You know, if I'm gonna be chased, <laughs> I wanna be chased with goodness. I want to close with the lyrics of a beautiful praise hymn that reminds us of the goodness of God. It reminds us that he pursues us. He runs after us with his goodness. I hope you can hear it in the background. It says, I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me. All my days, I have been held in your hands from the moment I wake up until I lay my head down. I will sing of the goodness of God. Can you hear the lyrics? With every breath, I am able. I'm gonna sing of the goodness of God. 
I love your voice. <laughs> you know, he's led me through the fire. Can anybody relate to that? I've known you as a father, and I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. I hope you're singing it. <laughs> All my life, you've been faithful. Yes. And what else? It have been so, so what? So good. Yes. And here's our promise. With every breath that I am able, I am going to do what? This is our promise. I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> it's running after. It's running after me. Isn't that a beautiful image? It's running after me. It's coming after us. <laughs> I surrender now and I give you everything. Why? Why do we do it? What an image. He's running after us. Wow. What do we do when we are being chased with the goodness of God? You know what? I suggest we let him catch us. Let him catch us with his goodness. Uh, we want to be faithful. He's chasing us with goodness, and his Holy Spirit wants to produce that goodness in us so that we can chase others with it. Oh, Father, help us. Help us to get chased by your goodness. Help us to be faithful to you as you've been faithful to us. Thank you for the goodness that you have shown us. And help us, Lord, with every breath that we have to sing of the goodness of God. <laughs> Anybody singing? You know, so let's let him catch us with goodness. I leave you with that. I'll post it later. God bless you. Go out and spill some goodness today.